0: Slash and cast.
1: Welcome back, fiends, to Handle with Scare, presented by the Slash and Cast Podcast Network. Our show discusses horror movies and the phobias they emphasize. Throughout the month, we will be spreading some yuletide fear and highlighting some of our holiday favorites. Before I introduce you to tonight's film, as well as my co-host, just a few general reminders. You can stay connected with us over on X at Handle with Scare. And be sure to join us for our Twisted Tuesday Watch Parties, which are held every Tuesday night at 7.30 p.m. Pacific Time over at kick.com forward slash drunk. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, house Zombie And Zabi, tonight's film uh, is a little bit different from uh, ones we would normally review. Uh, granted, there are only uh, a very small amount in this subgenre uh, of horror, that being a musical. Uh, so tonight, we have the 2018 standout, Anna and the Apocalypse. And I already told you this, like, when, when I saw this was on your list, I was so happy, because uh, for one, I I wasn't one that I was uh assuming we were going to cover. It's definitely, it definitely was on my short list, but I was so glad that you had it, uh, just so we could talk about this, because... I know ever since this movie uh, came out, this has been one of my yearly watches, and uh, I- I'm glad there is a shared love for this movie, uh, just because it's one of those that, you know, the, the concept alone might veer people off uh, a little bit from this movie, but it is so entertaining, and there's just so much love about it, and, uh, you know, hopefully with it being available to stream on, on Shutter. Uh, again. Uh, Hopefully more people are going to be checking it out, especially as they are wrapping up for the holidays here.
0: Well, I would say this, and I mean this when I, when I say it. It's going to sound a little crass, but I'm going to say it anyway. If you take musicals out of your selection of movies, you are missing a lot of classics. Mm-hmm. And moreover, you're missing a lot of horror classics. You're missing Little Shop of Horrors. You're missing Rocky Horror Picture Show. Things that are basically foundational horror now i'm not going to say that anna the apocalypse is foundational horror by any stretch but it is the only zombie musical that Mm -hmm. i know of i don't think that there is another one that exists anywhere and the reality of this movie if you watch it and just let it be what it is it is so much fun it is ridiculous Mm. um i told you pre-show i was halfway through watching this today and i was i thought to myself i wonder if this is on vinyl <laughs> it turns out it is and it'll be here on tuesday <laughs> and i'm okay with that i'm totally okay with that um you know my wife came down here and she's like oh you're watching and that's kind of fun and then we're we're watching the movie and she's like you know all the words to the songs and i'm like you're goddamn right i do <laughs> and, and, and so i mean yeah so is it is it your traditional zombie movie that's just gonna be you know high octane action like every single second. No, there's mm. there's ultimately a lot of story to this movie. There's a lot of relationship building and a lot of relationship arcs to this. Um and I honestly think that most of that makes it even more approachable for like the average person who might not be into zombies, might not be into horror, might not be into musicals. There's mm. there's things everybody can relate to. Now yeah, it is high school musical with zombies. I get that. Um but it's also a lot more fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm gonna use that word a lot because when it comes to horror, and especially when you get into holiday horror, there's a lot of movies that you can watch that are great Christmas slashers and great, you know, um, Christmas horror. And we've talked about this every once in a while, and for me especially, coming off of Halloween and the Halloween hangover that I completely had, I had a wicked Halloween hangover this year. I needed something just a little bit more fun and something that was not quite as dark and bleak. Now, I mean, it's a zombie movie, so not everybody lives. Spoiler, <laughs> um, but but still, the, the, this one that it has such a such a lovable cast of characters and a couple that are hateable. Um, it kind of gives you everything you need to make it a perfect, complete movie, mm-hmm. um, and then. A Christmas movie with zombies, that's a musical. So if you don't like any of those things, well, I'm sorry, you're just not living your life right. You might want to talk to somebody about that.
1: Yeah, it's just one of those scenes where, um, you know, this is always one that I've gone back to, primarily because the the main character of Anna, um, you know, there's not a lot of, like, big set pieces. There's nothing too over the top when it comes to... Uh, like the, like the outfit designs that they're wearing, there's not, really not even like a ton of like zombie prosthetics either, but I I love the fact that we have this, this character who can so easily be brought to life for people out there in the world to like dress up as for the holidays or at the conventions because it's, it's such a basic look for her. Uh, outside of you know, just having like the uh, candy cane sharpened uh, you know decoration that she uses and swings <laughs> around, uh, you know, kind of like halfway into the movie when she's rummaging through the the Christmas store. Um, but I, I I love the fact that we hit this early too because it's it was just another really fun movie and especially coming out of you know the mean one which you know uh, was actually really dumb but really fun at the same time and uh, you know even. Uh, this past Friday, since you know, we're recording on Sunday, uh, you know, I went to the theaters to go see the new uh, Christmas Slasher, uh, It's a Wonderful Knife, uh, which is one of the RLJE uh, films that was released in theaters, which is also one of the Shudder productions, so I'm sure at some point—I don't know if it's going to be this year, but Shudder will definitely be having the streaming rights to that— and I had a lot of fun with that one, too. And it's just like it was basically story elements of It's a Wonderful Life uh, with the dashes of Scream because they do have like the all white robe, which was like the initial like concept for Ghostface. And that completely caught me by surprise because I really didn't know anything about the movie outside of like seeing the poster and knowing that, you know, Justin Lawn is in it, which, you know, if you've seen any horror movie in the past 15 years, you basically know that Justin Lawn is going to play a complete asshole because he does it in literally every movie that he's in <laughs> uh so that that was absolutely great so uh you know Catherine Isabel was also in there which I didn't know about so that was nice Joe McHale is in it so there's some pretty notable names in that movie but man I had an absolute ride with that movie and uh, hopefully more people are able to go check it out while it is still in theaters Uh, The timing of it was just so interesting to me, too, because at the same time, it's like, you know, we had It's a Wonderful Knife coming out in theaters. Uh, You know, next week we have Thanksgiving uh, coming out in theaters. And I I cannot remember a single time ever where we had like a back to back weeks of like holiday slashers, hidden movie theaters like that completely like caught me so off guard. It's just like, man, like, I don't I don't know if we'll ever hit that again. And I was laughing, too, because, like, when they were showing the the previews, uh, there was a trailer for a movie that was based on a holiday. One that, like, I never would have expected they would turn into a slasher, but it was Founder's Day. And I was like, are we actually, like, going back to, like, the, the 80s throwbacks of just taking, like, whatever day and, like, making it, you know, horrified and just going from there if we are i'm okay with it because you know the 80s always churned out just about literally any event and turned it into a slasher i'm all here for it but either way like you know we're we're at this point now where i'm like man like the sky is the limit like we're we're doing things that uh have some great callbacks to to other holiday movies uh but then like you know we're also like, kind of going back to the heyday a little bit in regards to, like, the approach that some of these uh, film directors are actually taking to. So, I cannot be happier right now.
0: Well, and maybe that's the thing. Maybe after, you know, we've talked about 2023 being sort of a flat year. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe, maybe, and I understand that it's, you know, Hollywood and it takes time. Things are, it's a, it's a slow machine. But maybe, maybe they're finally figuring out that, you know, after after all the Skinnamarinks and the Outwaters and the Terrifier 2s, maybe they're starting to figure out that horror is something worth putting money into again. And to your point about going back to the 80s, I mean, that, that's why the 80s were great. I mean, April Fool's Day, Saturday the 14th. I mean, just like, I'm surprised there wasn't a movie just called Tuesday, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, just because it was a Tuesday, so let's have a slasher, you know? Um but so maybe they're figuring that out. Maybe they're finally starting to pump some money in the right direction so we can get some more fun slashers. Because I would let's be honest here. Short of your Friday the 13th, your Nightmare on Streets, your Halloweens, whatever else, most of the slashers don't go out of their way to try to build a ton of lore behind them. And they like to, there's sort of a one and done philosophy, right? And maybe we're getting back to some of that. And I'm with you. I'm all there for it. Because if that's what we do, I mean, fucking bring it let's see what can let's see what can come out of it and um i did not get to see it's a wonderful life this weekend the weekend just did not pan out i'm hopefully hopefully it's going to be this week um but then if things go perfectly i'm hoping on thursday to go see thanksgiving to be able to to get it in before the weekend cuz i'm i'm still a fan of the the early thursday showing and i like doing that um yeah i mean and to your point i i can't think of the last time that I was able to look at two consecutive weekends and say, hmm, I've got two new movies to watch if I feel like going to the theater, you know, and, and that's not a it's not a common thing, but maybe we're we're starting to see the start of it. Maybe we're going to get into more of that, and mm. I, I hope that's the case.
1: Yeah, because it, it has been kind of a, a dry month year uh, for, like, Theatrical releases, uh, really just across the board in in some cases. Uh, And, you know, a lot of that was due to the strike and obviously them shipped in uh, some of like the later blockbusters like, you know, Dune uh, part two in particular being like the last big movie that was supposed to come out this year that didn't. Uh, But anyways, getting back to Anna and the Apocalypse Uh, uh, Story-wise, here's the shortened version. Uh, We have a zombie apocalypse threatened in the sleepy town of Little Haven uh, at Christmas, which forces Anna and her friends to fight, slash, and their way to survival. Facing the undead is a desperate race to reach their loved ones, but they soon discover that no one is safe in this new world, and with civilization... Falling apart all around them, the only people they can truly rely on are each other. (laughs) Alright, so as Grindhouse said, there are so many elements to uh, these characters and this story that are very relatable, which make this movie super approachable for, for you if you guys haven't seen it yet. And it really starts right out of the gate in a very relatable situation. Because, like, we, we've we all been young, We've all been, you know, wrapping up school and, like, making plans for our future. And, you know, sometimes our ideas aren't always uh, lining up with the ideals of our parents or even our peers or anything like that. So, you know, we open to uh, basically like a car ride. Uh, so we have... Anna and her best friend John, uh, who are being driven to school by Anna's dad, Tony. Uh, and Tony is an interesting character because uh he often gets looked down upon because of the fact that like he is a janitor. Uh you have the headmaster at the school, Arthur Savage, who is just an absolute douchebag to Tony, uh throughout uh the, the vast majority of this movie. They they argue a lot about their different ideals and how to uh you know handle the situation at hand when you know shit starts to hit the fan uh and you know right out of the gate we have uh tony tony's like driving and anna's best friend basically spills the beans uh about like her immediate future when it comes to going to school and, like, what the plan is after high school. Uh, So Anna really wants to, you know, travel the world for a year before she comes back. And, of course, that news is met by immediate disapproval by her dad. Uh, So you have Anna, who's really yearning to escape away from her home. Uh, And all all the meanwhile, we have this conversation. You know, we do have kind of like a radio news blurb. Uh, about someone who has been infected by a certain strain of flu. Uh, But I don't really go into any details, but, you know, they do the whole thing where they're like, you know, nothing to be worried about, you know, go on with your regular lives. So they initially, they make... No big deal about it. And, you know, that's like the first note that, you know, there might be something afoot. But, of course, that is going to escalate over time because we can't have a movie called Anna and the Apocalypse without there being a little bit of apocalypse involved.
0: Yeah, so the first real blurb that you're talking about is they're talking about on the radio broadcast that it's the town Santa. The guy that plays the town Santa every year is down with the flu, so he won't be at the... Christmas pageant, and we're all wishing him a speedy recovery. And it's like, I I think about that being in a town so small that when the guy that plays Santa every year is sick, it makes the
1: news.
0: (laughs) That's 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 pretty fantastic. But yeah, but then with Anna and then with her dad and um, how John spills the news about paying for the ticket, and he's like the ticket, and she's like, well, you told me to tell him, and she's like, well, not fucking now, you know. And Mm -hmm. then she says that she's not going to uni. Yeah, and that's uh it's it's met with the rebuke that you would fact you'd kind of figure it would be met with um and it's another one of those things where you watch the dad's response and one of those things as a parent it makes perfect sense but it was also really poorly handled Mm. so it's like but you know kind of is what it is and then on top of everything else her dad works at the school so it's like even going there it's like she's not just getting dropped off you know she's everyone's going to the place that they go for eight hours a day so i mean there's really no getting away from the dynamic and you know even even after that and as we as we get into the school and we start meeting more and more characters it's like you quickly pretty quickly figure out that everybody there in some way shape or form is intertwined with the person next to them Um, and i'll just go ahead and say this i i think the storytelling in this is fantastic it really is um and i think they go out of their way to include everybody and uh you know people from different lifestyles people that are trying to accomplish different things people that are just trying to make their way in the world people that are misunderstood um and it just it's in a lot of ways it's like a high school musical kind of Mm -hmm. but in a lot of ways it's actually better um because a lot of the stuff they just kind of take head on, you know, they don't, they don't have to tiptoe around a lot of things. And it's like, you know, the the one guy Anna clearly had a like a fling with, and he's kind of fucking with her about it. And it's like no one's kind of super happy about that. But then you know her best friend John is sort of secretly pining for her, and you know it's it's all things that your average person can totally understand. And it's like, depending on what side of the coin you fall on, it might change who you're quote unquote rooting for during the movie but it's all super approachable and super personable and, and maybe moreover like super real it's just kind of how life goes sometimes shit doesn't go the way that you want it to and there's consequences and things to figure out
1: yeah and it's true too like with Anna's uh, friend circle really all of them are looking for a way out of where they're at in life currently and to like change their future Um, you know so, for example, like her her dad Tony, you know, he is the school janitor. Uh, he's constantly being bullied and belittled by the school's headmaster, uh, often getting overworked or being told to do things that aren't uh, part of his job. Especially when it comes to uh, like the lighting setup for like the the Christmas, uh, you know, pageant that they're throwing at the school. Uh, you have Steph. Uh, who is tired of really pretending to be someone she's not? Uh, she's also kind of like left alone by her parents because, like, I, I don't know if they're out partying or if they're like living in Mexico, but you know, they're they're in Mexico. So, like, anytime Anna like brings up her uh, her home troubles with her dad, obviously, like that's met pretty coldly. Uh, you know, by Steph, uh, you have. You know, Anna, who was constantly dealing with her ex, uh, which you had mentioned, uh, Nick, who, uh, you know, we we find out, like, you know, there's a lot of rumblings around the school and it's a small town. So, you know, obviously word gets out whenever something is happening uh, at that point. Uh, You have her best friend, John, who has feelings for Anna that aren't reciprocated, uh, which, you know, we kind of like deal with later on in the movie when they're pushing each other in the shopping cart. Uh, But, you know. Like like the song goes, you know, love is not like the books, the films, or the songs. Uh, as we as we know, uh, from you know, there's no such thing as a Hollywood ending tells us. Uh, so really, like everyone at this school has their their own issues that they're dealing with, and it's all super relatable. Like we we we've been in high school. We've all had our bullshit that we've had had to deal with, and. I can guarantee just about anyone listening to this is gonna find at least one issue that these kids are dealing with that they've gone through themselves, or maybe multiple uh too, so
0: well I think in even the I guess I, I I referred to him as sort of like the vice headmaster because the other guy is retiring. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he's like next year this school will be mine. But even in that in the musical break of, you know, no such thing as a Hollywood ending. There's even a moment where he comes in, you know, and it's, and yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's sort of a, a fly by night attempt to make him a little more approachable, but I mean, let's face it in, in this movie, I mean, the zombies are sort of a close second as far as the movie's asshole. That, that guy's first place <laughs> yeah, with yeah. without a doubt. Um, um, But even you know, like the guy, like the character, Nick, I mean, it's like, I mean, he's his name rhymes with prick for a reason because he's just a bastard, right? Um, But at the same time, they give him a little something that is, you know, he's he's the one that his dad's the military commander of the military base that backs up to the school parking lot. I thought that was a little interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, But, I mean, even, like, even he has things, you know, and it's, I think the point of it is trying to tell you that, you know, we're all people and we all do some things that we regret and some things that are stupid whatever else, but ultimately you don't know what might be going on in somebody's head or in somebody's life. So like maybe if nothing else, you just cut them a little fucking slack, you know, just to, and understand that we're all people, we make mistakes, but it doesn't, our mistakes don't have to define us. And that I think is the great thing about Anna is that she's going through this and she's not letting her, her perceived mistakes, even if it's rumor or whatever else, she's not letting them define her. She's going to, she's going to find her own way and be her own person. And it just, it makes her such a likable character. And she's just, she's so fun to watch. Her growth is fun to watch. I mean, she's hot as hell too. So that doesn't necessarily hurt, but she's very, she's very earthy as a Mm -hmm. character and, you know, everything to just, you know, waking, waking up late, looking at your clock and going shit, you know, and just having to quick, take a shower and do your, do all this stuff and then just go out. Um, kind of into the world and to you know to see what the next thing is um and before i forget i did want to call out there's because there's a whole bunch of like throwbacks in this movie and a whole bunch of easter eggs okay that i think are just fucking awesome like her waking up late and going outside and doing her singing and dancing in the streets i mean if you don't see shawn of the dead there i don't know mm-hmm. what what you what attention you're paying to zombie movies but you need to pay closer attention um the the cleaner at the bowling alley her name is mrs hinsman so i mean that goes right back to night of the living dead which is brilliant um the headmaster getting ripped apart that's dawn of the dead all day long mm-hmm. i mean if you're if you're a true if you're a zombie fan and i clearly am um there are so many little you'll get so many little sugar cubes in this movie it just makes it even more fun to watch
1: Yep, absolutely. Uh, so as I mentioned, we have Steph's parents who are in Mexico, uh, despite the fact that regardless of distance, they're still trying to control really every aspect of her life. Um, so, you know, we have a little spat between Anna and Steph uh, after, you know, Anna's being a little bit of a nuisance, talking about, you know, her dad, which rubs Steph the runway. Uh, And this is like really the first time we have any sort of like zombie interaction that's involved. So, you know, Anna storms off. You know, after, you know, having an emotional discussion uh, with Steph, she bumps into a zombie uh, while she's doing this, but it really doesn't register uh, with her at all. You know, she just apologizes to the guy and like goes on with her day. Uh, So really subtle, but like you could tell like there was something a little bit off putting but it like wasn't like so completely like brought to your face or brought to your attention because you really only see, you know, the zombies back at this point in time as he's, you know, moving closer uh, towards the school uh but like we're we're really gearing up for uh the Christmas performance uh <laughs> you know at at the school, which you know i we, we already talked about it a little bit like the the penguin uh song in this movie is like, one of my favorite parts, even though, like, we don't fully get to hear it because, like, you kind of, like, go back and forth between, like, the performances and then seeing the reaction from, you know, Arthur Savage and, you know, Tony, who are, you know, in the booth uh working audio or whatever. Uh, but there's just a, a little bit of something for everyone you know, in this entire uh, skit here. Uh, so, you know, we have Arthur Savage, who is basically like rolling his eyes over the penguin saw and being like, Ugh. you know, they've, they've had like six weeks and this is the best they could come up with. Uh, you have yeah. Lisa, who is putting on a very provocative performance that Arthur uh, is finding pornographic. Uh, the audience, however, <laughs> loves it. For the most part, you do have, like, the one mom, like, covering the kid's eyes, which is fantastic. Uh, but, you know, the whole time, like, you know, she's wearing this dress. She's seen it very seductively. She brings, like, some of the guys out with, like, basically, like, Santa suspenders only. And they're doing a bunch of stripper-esque oh, moves on stage on top of that. And uh, all the meanwhile, as this is going on, we have someone who is constantly, like, banging on the closed doors outside mm-hmm. of the school. And, you know, Savage is basically, like, trying to tell them off uh, at this point. And, you know, it's it's the next sign of struggle uh, that is just completely ignored uh, by Savage. And obviously, like, the way that Savage condones himself in uh, the face of this emergency uh, is met with mixed results, which we'll get into here in just a bit. Well,
0: so... Okay, I again. I'm I'm gonna have to say that I'm I'm outing myself as a closet musical fan. S- something that I didn't actually know that I was up until um, we started talking about this, and I'm like, and I started thinking that, yeah, I know all the lyrics to the songs, and so with Lisa and her singing, it's that time of year. I mean, the you have Anna's dad Tony and Savage like in the sound booth, and as lisa's singing he's literally elbowing savage like did you catch that i mean it's so it's so brilliant and it's so fun but the song does get progressively more provocative somebody's you know somebody's chimney needs a good unblocking Mm -hmm. as i recall um but it's so fun i mean and the two penguins just the it's it's honestly one of the things that makes my wife laugh the most about this movie when she, you know, the hey mother flipper we just <laughs> all the hell of I mean, and it's just it's, but again, it 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 has that tone where it's just so fun that it doesn't really matter. You have mm-hmm. to just be, you sort of have to be okay with it and just kind of like fall in line and just laugh at what it is. But the other thing about this movie, and going back to when Anna first bumps into that zombie, there is a level of obliviousness in this movie. That is, for me, just watching it, and I think it does add something to the story and to where they're trying to get. But it's borderline shocking. Mm-hmm. Like, how does everybody not figure this out? I mean, it just—it almost doesn't make any sense. um But you know, as they as they carry on, and then you know, as Anna kind of leaves the school after excusing herself after that after that fight with her soon-to-be friend, you know, and that. And admittedly, that friend puts her foot in her mouth pretty big time when she's like, at least you don't have a mother who is constantly on your back. And it's like, oh, Anna's mom just died. <laughs> oh, shit. You know? But again, that's another very real thing where you, you get focused in what you're thinking and focused on what you're saying. And you forget that somebody, you know, may or may not have had a tragedy recently. And you're like, oh, that's a part of what makes the characters in this movie so great is that for the most part, everybody is trying to be helpful to each other and good to each other um uh between lisa and then what is the boyfriend's name is it jake i think it's jake right
1: uh yeah that's yeah you
0: know like he he offers to help steph with her you know her video thing and he's like don't worry i won't be late to your performance and so it's like but i think it goes back to what you're saying about how everyone has their own vision of how they're going to get out of this town you know and I think with Lisa, it's going to be, you know, her performing arts. I think with Jake, it's going to be his videography thing. With Anna, she's just straight up leaving. She's Mm -hmm. like, you know, um, with Nick, I think it's probably doing something in the military to get. I mean, so like everybody has this plan, but it also tells you that the best laid plans don't necessarily mean much.
1: Absolutely. So that following morning is when Anna and John are leaving their house Both absolutely bubbling full of energy and enthusiasm as, uh, you know, we're really on the cusp of the end of the school year and the beginning of their new lives. Uh, you know, they are just so engrossed by their daydreaming and song and dance that they are completely unaware of everything that is happening around them. Uh, cause really, zombies are hitting the streets. The world is burning. And the two of them are just in absolute bliss as they are singing in joyfully, <laughs> which that that whole sequence is so great because, you know, you have like the air guitar riffs that are going on and they both like meet up at one point. Uh, and that is when we have another zombie sight in uh, this one wearing a snowman costume. And of course, it kind of has like the the head cut off. So you can actually like see the zombie's face within like the snowman's head. The the face is all
0: smashed out. Yep. Uh, I'm gonna wear that to a con one day. I'm gonna wear mm -hmm. that exact costume to a con one day.
1: It's a great look, and uh, Anna ends up decapitating this zombie with a. I think it's. I think it's Yeah, it's a seesaw or a teeter totter, depending on you know. W- yeah. Whatever verbiage ver- ver- you want to use in this case, but I <laughs> this scene makes me laugh so hard because you know we see the severed head, which is uh you know still growling at this point in time, and the two of them are talking about w- whether or not like it's a zombie. John is a firm believer in what he's seen before his eyes, uh, because the head is still yeah. being animated. Anna's basically like saying outright like that stupid zombies aren't real, and it's just like look for yourself <laughs> like how else would you explain this but i love the fact that you know we have this kill which is very unconventional <laughs> you know it's playground equipment for fuck's sake and we have like the the theater blood essentially because it is a geyser effect uh during the decapitation which really puts it over the top and makes it fun uh on top of that so it was it was a it was a really nice combination of the two but just the fact that it's like Okay, well we're we're very grounded, we're in the real world. So, of course, you're going to have at least one character being a little dismissive of the idea. Uh but again, you know, it's it's one of those scenes where you know ha- having like the argument back and forth, you you always have the they also have like discussions later on in the arcade when it comes to like well, who would like survive in a zombie apocalypse? And you know, they're they're bringing up like all these different famous people and whether or not like they're a zombie and at one point one of them brings up like Taylor Swift uh when they're in the ball pit and they're like, <laughs> like they're like why why would fine. you say that? <laughs> <It's fine. laughs>
0: I love it. <laughs> oh, well that's exactly it though. And they talk about they talk about um Robert Downey Jr., they talk mm-hmm. about Justin Bieber. Um I, you know, I think so I think the teeter totter or the seesaw I, I think well, a, it's effectually it's brilliant because it's really fun to watch. but I think John's prolonged scream there, that prolonged really high pitched scream that he does kind of represents a little bit of like a tonal change in the movie where it's like, okay, now things are getting real because that was, I mean, it's it's so funny, but it's also so jarring that you're just like, because it's like you're waiting for him to stop screaming and it's mm-hmm. like he, he's not stopping what's what's going on why is he still screaming i mean but it's but again it, it goes back to the nature of this movie and how people the people that made this movie clearly understood exactly what it was and what they were shooting for and they didn't stray from it at all they made it they made it comedic they made it fun they made it serious in the tones of you know people in their interactions but it's like when the zombies come oh shit all bets are off
1: mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, you know, with the zombie outbreak happening, you have the staff members of the school uh, who are basically trying to manage whatever resources they have. Uh, And this is where, you know, Arthur Savage and Tony are really starting to argue with one another again, Uh, this time like over their uh, ideology, uh, given the circumstances around them. You know, Savage is definitely one who believes that, uh, you know, compliance is you know, the ultimate course, and that the respective authorities are going to help them out if they remain loyal uh, and stay within, like, the school's grounds. Because uh, it's kind of like the... Uh, the school is, like, basically, like, one of, like, the escape paths in regards to, like, having, like, a safety shelter uh, in this case. Uh, even though it is, it is, like, realistically right next to, like, the army base uh, in this town. Uh, but you have Tony who, you know, not really fond of, you know, Savage's uh, righteous worldview when it comes to this. Uh, He's one who wants to go out to help others, and, of course, a lot of that is due to the fact that, you know, Anna is outside of the school at this point in time. Uh, But he really wants to be part of the fight, uh, you know, against the, you know, the zombie horde that uh, is starting to build up here. But, of course, you know, Savage's response gets uh, a little very like authority heavy like the further we go into this movie uh to the point where you know we do have a little bit of a revolt going on later on
0: well yeah i i think well i mean ultimately the revolt is a little short lived because it shows mm-hmm. you what a just an utter bastard that that guy is yep um but i think with tony and especially when he's when he's i think he's concerned about his daughter which is obviously a good thing But I think he's also he's he's probably more the humanitarian in the group, where he's concerned about everybody, and he's like, this is the point where we have to pull together and we have to help everybody, you know, and and help as many people as we possibly can. Um, And I think, I mean, the big thing that I took away from that is that ultimately, as much as Anna's trying to find her way and like become her own person, she's more like her dad than she thinks she is, Mm -hmm. um, because she's kind of the same way. Because you know, they encounter. Steph and... Oh, now that I'm thinking about it, the boyfriend's name is not Jake. The boyfriend's name is Chris. Because it was set on the reserve seat. His name is Chris. Hey, fuck that up. Um, But they encounter Steph and Chris at the bowling alley with... I'm sorry, the best name for a bowling alley ever. Thunderballs. <laughs> I want to go and bowl at Thunderballs. <laughs> I totally do. Um, But, you know, as they get back there, and they have what is... Probably the first big call it group fight kill mm-hmm. that happens. And you know, the, the one guy is just shrieking, he's like, All I have to do is destroy the brain, destroy the brain. And then you have uh, John who whacks a zombie with two bowling balls upside the head. And in, in keeping with his um, iron, ironclad resolve that he has, he does that and then he throws up on the ground. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you know, he's quite not the toughest guy amongst the bunch, but he's he's definitely like doing his part to sort of like survive and keep going. But that whole that whole scene in the bowling alley was I mean as far as the action goes, I mean I think it was probably our second to last sort of fun action scene where because the 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 the, the, the movie does sort of totally change as you go and it does get a little more serious and a little more well this is actually happening you know and um i think it's kind of our last time eh, second to last time where we really have a lot of fun with happening i mean there's definitely one more fight scene where they have a lot of fun um but you know as they're stuck in the bowling alley they're like well we need to get out of here and so they end up using the inflatable ball pit to escape and then we get to honestly what i think is Maybe one of the funniest scenes in the entire movie, where they're scraping across the ground underneath this inflatable ball pit, and one of the zombies sits on it, and it's an it's an older woman, and the older woman zombie literally like pees on the head of Steph <laughs> when she's underneath the ball pit, and you know, and she's like, "Don't worry, there's there's plastic, you'll be fine." She's like, "But it's warm plastic <laughs> now," <laughs> and then all of a sudden the blood starts flying, and that's when we have our our soldier war uh, mm-hmm. musical interlude, which is I mean, it, it might be one of the funniest things I've ever seen in a movie like ever. It is just hilarious.
1: And even when we get to the arcade to, you know, there's the discussion from Steph um in regards to like why he she, why she thinks the outbreak is happening. Because uh, she's a firm believer when it comes to, like, the bad side of corporations and you how they have this history of negligence towards the public care and safety. Uh, and then, like, she's the one who is, like, on her laptop basically showing, like, the world map uh, and, like, different places that the infections are on the rise. So this isn't just, like, a one-town ordeal at this point in town time in the movie um and but yeah like the, the whole zombie scene in there is absolutely fantastic but like even before that uh before like the i don't know if it's like the custodian or if it was um or if it was like the manager uh you know they were like basically throwing shoes that were left on the ground and of course like her best friend john like throws it with like his hand over his face and it's like yeah. hitting her in the back of the head and like knocking her out which was absolutely great Uh, before that's
0: that's mrs hinsman which is a Mm. which is a nod back to bill hinsman from um night of the living dead the original yep yep so but again (laughs) funny just funny because it could be at the same time it's like i don't think i would hit somebody in the head with a shoe and knock them out and just leave them there and go on with my life i think (laughs) i'd probably do a little something but hey, what do I know? He's just
1: like, major. well, I'm probably out of a job. <laughs> That's all he cared about at that point in time. Not to actually check it up on her. Uh, but, you know, we, we do go back to the school where we see Lisa, uh, who is getting into it with, uh, you know, Arthur Savage. Because, uh, you know, Lisa is basically looking after uh, yes. Chris's Chris grandma, grandma uh, who isn't in the best of shape right now. Uh, you know, Lisa is a firm believer when it comes that, Uh, You know, people should really help one another in emergencies like this. Uh, Whereas Savage is basically arguing with her about, you know, needing to prioritize who gets the care. And, you know, helping an old lady at this point in time is really not at the top of his list, uh, to to say the least. But yeah, like the, the whole escaping with like the inflatable ball pit was just absolutely hilarious. The blood splatter was a really nice touch. And of course, you know... The like Anna's circle is like looking at them We're like, are th- are they having fun with this? And of course, you know, it's a bunch of teenage boys, uh, who are basically, they're basically soldiers at war in this, you know, cause that's part of the song. Uh, they, they really think highly of themselves, you know, they're, they're the real men in this situation. Cause you know, they're going out and they're going hunting in this case. Uh, but of course, to like the casual observer, or to like, you know, just the, the average Joe, like say John, for example, uh, of course the immediate thought is like, oh, you're you're looted. You know, that's that's cool.
0: <laughs> well yeah, I so I think that that scene had uh, two things, to be perfectly honest. It had a very Lord of the Flies feel. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't know if that was intentional. That's just what I took away from it. Um but then, and this is courtesy of my wife, she said I should do this. So when they're when they're singing that song and he's and he's just The lyrics of the song are so like over the top. And, and it's just like it's not even subtle. And he's mm-hmm. like, When it comes to killing zombies, I'm the top of my class. While you've been hiding, I've been kicking some ass. I mean, it's just I mean, it's so it's so like high school fuck you that it's just, it's just fantastic. But it's like, it is that it is that dichotomy between the tough kids and the not tough kids.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and, but I think it's another one of those pieces that makes this movie so approachable and so understandable that you're just like, yeah, I sort of get it. Yeah. And you know what? Not everybody wants to go out and swing a baseball bat. That's not everybody. Mm-hmm. And like, like, I get that now for my chair, you're probably not going to last long, so just deal with it. But, I mean, it they do a wonderful job in this movie of showing you that there is a point, okay? There is a point where the guys that can go out and swing a sledgehammer are important. Mm-hmm. You know, the guys that can think with some logic and, you know... Because, I mean, if you look at everything that they quote-unquote looted, there's a cart full of toilet paper. I want that. I'm getting old. My butt is not as up to the task as it once was when i was 25 you know so i want some toilet paper um but i mean so it, it shows you that even though they're sort of the the wrecking crew of the whole thing it's like there's a little bit of thought into what's going on and going forward the reality of an apocalypse is that even if you don't like these people or what they stand for you might need them
1: mm-hmm. That is definitely true. Uh, so we go back to the school uh, where Arthur Savage is uh, really starting to struggle to make uh, the school staff comply to his guidelines. And This is where everyone sides with the revolt. Uh, you know, Tony is there to like try to like even comfort Arthur, even though the two of them really don't get along throughout the entirety of this movie. Uh, but this doesn't help matters. You know, Savage is immediately uh, his... His tonal, like, his tone towards him is very even killed route, where he's, like, constantly talking down to Tony because of his class or status because he is a school janitor. So, you know, he does have, like, that complex uh, of being better than him, you know, basically every step of the way. And, you know, this is really the part of the movie where we do start to see, like, savages... Uh, major turn in regards to his character. And I know there's like three different versions of Anna and the Apocalypse out there. Um, You basically have like the theatrical cut, you have the whatever is streaming, and then there's also a director's cut. And I I know there was a song cut from uh, Arthur Savage to like really like highlight his uh, manic kind of like episode, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, but they kind of, like, took it out because, like, it, it really shifted the tone of the movie, and it, I, am not gonna say, like, it made it way too real, but obviously, like, we know what happens with Arthur Savage and the people that were in the school, and it's definitely fucked up, <laughs> to say the least, uh, because he yeah, does I basically, think- like, kill everyone.
0: Yeah, I think that's the song, Nothing's Gonna Stop Me Now, um, mm-hmm. and to your point, the, as I understand it, um, of what I know of two of the cuts, it was that song, which is a- almost three minutes, and then a couple of small scenes that were taken out. But I think that was like the big change, which is the difference of the cuts. Now, the one that I have access to had that song in it. Same. And the funny part is, for as many times as I've seen this movie, I-, I saw that and I'm like, what the hell is this? Um, And I had to go back and I'm like, I don't think this was here the first time I saw this. So it's like interesting okay because it does the uh, so tony and savage literally it's almost like a in a high school musical sense it's almost like a rap battle where they're going back and forth between the two of them you know and there's a point where they literally have joined hands in the middle and they're spinning around in a circle and it's like but they're still bitching at each other (laughs) um and so it definitely does change how you I mean it sort of kicks savage off a cliff at that point. Mm-hmm. Um so that might be why they took it out. They might they might have wanted to save the the kick cliffing for when the kids get back to the school and he sort of locks them in there and blows his whistle. So they might have wanted to save that. So it kind of does make sense. Um but again, it's another musical interlude. Apparently, I love those now. <laughs> so
1: Yeah, there's definitely it. there's elements of that song too. Um, that are very Rocky Horror esque in regards to some oh, of the God, lyrics, yeah. and I didn't I didn't really catch it the first time I watched the movie uh, for for that cut in particular. So like when I watched it, I was like, wait a minute, like this is I'm not gonna say it, it's like shop by shot, but just the weight, the way that he was like laying back, uh, really reminded me of that, and the lyrics were right in touch with it too. And I'm like, holy shit, like I didn't even catch this the first time. So it's it's always nice to see you know those Easter eggs uh that you know often can get overlooked uh but yeah it, it's it's also one of those songs that it's like okay like obviously we're hitting a pivotal point for his character here uh you know you do have that that amount of like showmanship on display because he's like doing the high kicks he, he just doesn't have like the top hat that he's you know waving in his hand or anything oh he does um, though
0: he, he do- well okay i i should i should preface this for the last his last big number,
1: yeah. At um, the end, he does
0: give them a show. Yeah, that is straight out of Rocky Horror. What he's got—the sparkly top hat and he's doing mm-hmm. the high kicks. Oh my god, that is straight out of there. But, but again, they talk about Easter eggs. There's a spot where Steph has a leg, and it looks like the leg from A Christmas Story. You know, so they, they, there's stuff everywhere. The people that did this really thought about the things that they wanted to uh to pay homage to. I mean, and they did such a great job because <laughs> it's everywhere if you look. Mm
1: hmm. So we're at the point where, uh, you know, we have the teenagers who are uh, trying to make it back to the school. Uh, you know, they have, you know, met up with, uh, you know, Anna's ex and, you know, the quote bullies or however you want to label them, the jocks or whatever. Uh, and they're we're looking, looking to, the wrecking crew. Yeah, they're. They come across like this Christmas store and they're like, well, you know, like we could cut through here to, uh, you know, save some time. Maybe we can make it back to the school before nightfall. Uh, And of course, you know, you have uh, John who's like, well, how about we put it to a vote? And, you know, of course, you know, Nick is basically like, all right, well, uh, you can live or you can die. Those are your options. Yeah, that's the vote. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's. (laughs) It's like, well, when you put it like that, fuck, I guess (laughs) we're doing this. Well, yeah, but,
0: I mean, that's kind of the—they do a a recurring job of trying to show you the differences between Nick and John. And, mm-hmm. you know, Nick Nick being sort of the bad boy and John being sort of the, the softer-sided sort of nice guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and if you're honest, it's like in any apocalypse movie that you've ever watched— It it isn't ever one of those guys that ends up succeeding, right? It's the guy that ends up being a mixture of the two. You know, a good common sense mixture of the two. And the funny part about this movie is they never give you that. I mean, if if it's anybody, it might be Anna's dad. But he's, you know, he's an older guy who's, you know, I mean, you know, uh, overaged, overweight over everything and probably isn't going to be our fearless leader going forward. So it's probably the funniest part about this movie is they don't give you that one centrist character who is going to be the voice of reason for everything. They just don't give it to you. And that's kind of a change. And I honestly, I kind of like it.
1: Yep. And, uh you know, during this uh, shortcut, we have Nick's friends who uh, are lost during the fight uh, we have John and Anna who are, uh, you know, really having a moment between the two of them, uh, talking about like their relationship and like where they stand and like what their plans for the future are. And Anna, you know, makes it pretty, pretty evident. Like, you know, I'm going to go travel, you're going to go to art school, uh, and, you know, we're going to keep things the way they are. Uh, and you know, while all this is happening, uh, you know, obviously there's zombies in this store. Uh, one of them ends up biting John in the hand. Uh, and of course, you know, we have that moment when John really has, like, that sacrificial moment, uh, where he basically, like, lunges towards the zombies in order to protect Anna. Because, you know, that's what best friends do. They, they throw themselves in the zombie horde to, uh, you know, protect their best friend. Uh, but, you know, one of the, one of the really relatable parts of their relationship, too, is, like, you constantly have John who's like, oh, I can, I can, I can release I, I see what you see in him, you know, talking about, you know, Nick throughout this, because, you know, Nick does have like that level of bravado to his character, even though he's kind, he's a little bit on a dorky side for that type of character, too, though, which is kind of funny. Uh, but regardless, you know, you, you had the moments where, okay, you know, you had the good guy, he ends up saving the girl, uh, Of course, oddly, he doesn't really get what he wants, but, you know, at the end of the day, he wanted to protect Anna, and that's, uh, sure enough, what he did, uh, you know, amidst all of it. And, of course, you, like, you you don't want to have, like, that goodbye moment, too, where it's like, you know, you had the best friends, you know, completely clasped together. Like, we do kind of have, like, later in the movie, back in the school.
0: That's interesting, because I saw that whole dynamic very differently than you did. Um... So throughout the movie, John is always acknowledging Nick, but I, from my chair, he was always acknowledging him with a level of sarcasm that was like, I mean, it, to me, it was very palpable. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I yeah, it's like, I can understand why you like him so much. You know, I always got the sarcasm. But then at the end, after John is bitten, and then he, he is, you know, they're kind of getting crowded. And the Nick guy is off in the background, just kind of quietly going, like, come on, come on, just come on. Um, what John does in in wrapping Anna up and pushing her through the crowd of zombies and then shoving her out the other side, I thought that was both a profession of love for her and a giant fuck you to Nick. Like, see what I did? You see the see the size of my uh, thunderballs, buddy? Um, so I it's interesting that we took like honestly two completely different things away from that. So that's well, that's I guess that's why we do this because we don't always think the same. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, I just, and then the going forward from there, but see, but see, Nick stays, especially as we are going through the Christmas store and then like all of his little cronies end up being zombies. And it's like, his comment is like, well, they should have kept up.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's like, so he's just, he stays just kind of a bastard through the whole thing. I mean, he doesn't ever really let that guard down. And I, I guess I get as a character, that's kind of who he is, but it's like, there's a point where you've got to start shedding the you know, the fake skins that we all carry for whatever moment in our life and just be like, okay, here's a situation. Let's just get down to brass tacks and handle this shit.
1: Well, we we do know why Nick is the way that he is because he does have his own pivotal character moment that's brought up. We don't actually see it play out, but, you know, he brings up to Anna that, you know, because, uh, you know, Anna asks, like, where where his dad is because, you know, he is, you know, at, at the base Uh, And, you know, Nick had to kill his own dad.
0: Well, and that's I think that is the moment that they give you. And the thing that they don't do, though, is they don't with that new information, they don't pivot Nick. Mm -hmm. They don't pivot him. They keep him the same basic prick that he always was. And maybe that's just what he puts up to stay tough and to stay whole and do to do whatever else. But it doesn't make you like his character anymore. You know, it it gives you a little bit of sympathy for him, but at the same time, it's like, well, okay, we had this moment, and he's like, fine, enough of this pussy-ass bullshit, let's go. And it's like, well, I don't think that was pussy-ass bullshit. I think that was, like, something that happened to you that if you needed to discuss, we could talk about it, but nope, we're going to keep going. Let's roll.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yep, so, uh, you know, at this point, the kids do make it to the school, so you you have have Anna, you have Nick, Steph, and Chris— uh, where, you know, they meet Arthur Savage, who is basically, you know, sitting there by himself. Uh, and, you know, when it comes to survival, he didn't really care about the people around him, as we mentioned, because uh, he did kill them before the zombies could kill them. So in his in his viewpoint, it's uh, well, they didn't turn and it was also a way of showing mercy to them. So it's like, hey, at least they didn't become monsters even though that's a terrible way to look at it because, uh, you know, he's 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 having his manic episode. Uh, so, you know, he basically gave them a taste of, you know, their pr- proposed plan, saved himself from getting caught by the zombies. Uh, you know, he also has his, you know, son and dance number here. So a sign of his uh, wicked victory over everyone around him at this point in time. Uh, then you have the teenagers who are looking around trying to find Tony. Uh, you know, while also trying to, you know, save themselves from the zombies that are in the school.
0: Okay, so there's a lot of, a lot of these last couple of scenes, um, especially with Lisa and Chris, Mm -hmm. that, like, and I don't, I don't know what the point here was, um, maybe it was just the, the proverbial thinning of the herd, um, but, like, I would have liked to have seen Lisa and Chris go on a little farther. Now, my thought, honestly, is that somebody somebody looked at the size of the car that they had to deal with in the end and was like, Nope, <laughs> we're not going to fit five in this car, so fuck it. Let's kill off a couple of more. But I love their characters. And I just, you know, I loved how they were just that in love high school couple, like the ones, that, the one couple in the whole school that you thought if they had a chance for a life, it mm-hmm. could be them. Like they could make it forever, you know? Um, Cause I, I know people that were high school sweethearts and st- are still married and still living their best lives, you know? So it can happen. That doesn't happen often. No, it doesn't. People change too much, but that's fine. Um, but even, even as they showed them when Steph was trying to help them, And they both ended up getting chowed anyway. Um, You know, there's a moment where they show them both as zombies and they're just kind of stuttering around. But there's a a moment where they their hands come out and their hands just kind of touch. And again, one of those things where it's just like. Thank you, movie, for not letting me down completely, (laughs) you know, thank you for giving me just a little like maybe even in my zombie death, I can still find love. (laughs)
1: And, you know, we do have that moment, too, where, uh, you know, Chris finds Lisa, uh, who basically like tucked herself away. I don't know if it's like the janitor closet, but it was it was an own separate room. It was a storeroom. It said storeroom on the door. Yeah. And that's uh, when we see that, uh, you know, Chris's grandma has unfortunately passed. And, you know, part of that is due to the uh, negligence of Arthur Savage. Uh, well, could I would say almost <laughs>
0: yeah. <of them>. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: and Tony was really like the only one to to really help in this case because like he did go get her, uh, you know, pillow a little bit earlier in this, uh, so you know she could at least you know rest her head uh, at that point in time. Uh, and you have Anna and Nick who are really you know speaking out about you know their differences. Uh, you know Anna's kind of like you know feeling bad about like broken trust between the two of them. Uh, you know there's a little bit of like maybe selfishness in some respects surrounding like their breakup uh and then this is when you know nick tells her about like what happened to you know his dad uh because he basically got bitten by a zombie uh so you know you have that moment where like she's trying to like console him over uh what had happened uh you know all the meanwhile you have you know steph chris and lisa who are trying to escape the school uh and you know we have like this whole like Kind of like distraction scene where uh Steph is trying to like get her car keys because you know Savage constantly takes <clears> them <throat> from her because like you know it's on school ground so it's uh school property at this point in time so we yeah. we, we have the whole like all right we have to uh sneak into this room that's full of zombies really not make any sound just so we can get our our car keys but uh evidently we have like a, a squeaker <laughs> like on the keychain too which uh also doesn't really help uh in the you know trying to be a little stealthy in, in this particular scene
0: well and as as steph is going through the lost and found box oh my god that was i mean you know, she's, she's going through the lost and found box and she's picking out various things that she thinks are useful. And she she finds like a little bottle of I, I guess I'm guessing it's a bottle of vodka is what she found, Um, but a smaller one. So she kind of like, oh, we'll take that with us. And she's digging through and she pulls out what is one of the largest vibrating pink dildos I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. And she's just like, oh, my God. And, she, and I'm like. There's part of me that's like, okay, your character has a girlfriend, so I'm thinking you might be pretty familiar with that. So why are you so terrified? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um
1: it's, it's yes. Yeah, <laughs> uh uh
0: Well, I mean, I it wasn't it wasn't still glistening. I mean, so come on. Um But through that whole thing and, and through that I mean it another one of those places where the movie does you does a really good job of like giving you this so here is the task, and we're going to accomplish it. And I still I still wish they had found a way to not sacrifice Lisa and Chris to the task. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, in the end, they, that's what they chose to do. And I, I'm i technically okay with it, but I still have a little a little emotional reservation behind it. Because it's like, I just like those characters so much. They were just so much damn fun. I mean, you know, she sees him in the hallway, and she's just like, Oh my god, boyfriend! And just grabs him, and it's like... I mean it like it's what love is supposed to be, you know, it's just supposed to be pure and supposed to be dynamic and full of energy all the time. And it's like they do a good job of like bringing that forward to you. Um getting t- towards the end of this where Anna is finally going to find her dad in their big in the big concert hall at the end and uh, her dad is tied up with tinsel on the stage. I didn't, I didn't think tinsel was all that strong, but uh, you know, I'll just, I'll I'll leave that for what it is, but then having Arthur Savage up on stage and he's, you know, got to have his last big kind of hurrah. Um, And this is fun to me because this is when Anna kind of finally goes, she turns into Nick, basically Mm -hmm. she goes full Savage um, and is just, killing 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 zombies and one more of those things where there's a lot of spots where this movie uses gore in very short spurts but it's very effective this is one of those times where they just go she just gets gets to go full madman and just is killing everyone and everything and it's it's a lot of fun to watch and the energy that she has as she's the music is coming up and you know that they're queuing in another, you know, a musical number, but then watching Arthur Savage and watching his hair like slowly start to lift up and you know that he's just going full mental. uh, It's, oh, it's just great.
1: Yeah, did you kind of like have gonna like say like part in the scene moment when she like rushes the stage uh you know to get up there but you know she does have a pretty clear path uh to get on stage after you know, she wipes out some zombies uh along she, the way she uses a
0: soccer ball she uses a soccer ball to kick a zombie in the nuts so it falls over and then she uses that zombie as a catapult to get her up. i mean come on that's awesome <laughs> that's, there's, there's no other way of looking at it other than that was just fantastic I, <laughs> i'm so happy that you did that
1: yeah, definitely uh very different from like the normal approach uh that you would see in zombie movies, which is really all all that this is about at the end of the day. Uh so you know, she she gets on stage. Uh, you know, Tony does get out of, you know, the tinsel. Uh and you know, Savage is fighting back, uh trying to like basically, you know, keep Tony where he's at. But ultimately. You know, we have like this very theatrical uh, moment where Savage is thrown off of the stage. Uh, not quite like a swan dive, you know, back into, you know, the zombie horde. But, you know, you do have that moment where, you know, he's uh, body surfing before mm-hmm. he gets ripped apart, you know, <laughs> Dawn of the Dead style, which is absolutely, uh, you know, fantastic. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I just I, I love the fact that, you know, we we have this moment with, uh, you know, Savage, where it's like, you know, really early on, it's like, OK, like he's our authority figure. And of course, it gets to the point where it's so over the top. And it's like, OK, well, he's not going to get his way. So what's he going to do? So he has his bloodthirsty manic moment where he just kills everyone. But he he does everything with, like, just just such a smug smile on his face and then just throw it back in your face, like, sort of attitude where it's like, man, just the progression that they made with that character and, like, where he ends up, it's like... see, Seeing him getting ripped apart was, like, just... The like, the cherry on the top, because it's like, you well, you definitely have this coming, you can't say otherwise, because you're the entire reason that there's even zombies inside of the school in the first place.
0: Well, it's a very... Between Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead, it's a very Captain Rhodes payoff. Mm. I mean, it's very Captain Rhodes, and it it is a big piece of what makes the whole thing worth it. And they really could have... Like, after that, they could have they could have ended this movie. They could have ended it, and they could have just, you know, kind of like, you know, the lights trailing down and, and, and everything just... But the thing that I love about this movie is that they didn't. They wanted to give you something that looked like a grand payoff, and they gave you that with Savage being torn apart. But then we're back to a place where we have Anna and then this guy who is effectively kind of her nemesis, you know, mm-hmm. and they, and they do finally explain to you why it's like, we shared all those things about our dads and I thought I could trust you and you fucked me over. And it's like, it has nothing to do with the sex. It has to do with what I was trying to build with you. And that's a very, very human thing. Like mm-hmm. I totally get that sex is sex. Ultimately is a thing that's overrated. Anybody can have sex. But not everybody can build a bond. right? Um, But then even getting to the end and we're in the parking lot and Nick is on his knees and he's like, I'm sorry, I just can't fight anymore. And then Steph shows up in her little car and she's like, boom, saved your life. Let's go. (laughs) I mean, I mean, it just one more thing in this movie that is in keeping with its tone, but is also so fun that it's just like, well, well, shit. Okay. And then, you know, they get in the car and they're driving away and it's like, well, where to now? Mm hmm. I mean, and that's in every zombie apocalypse movie. When you escape the place that you are in because you're stuck there for whatever reason, and it's on to the next thing, that's like the proverbial always lingering question: where to now? You know, and that was the perfect way to end this movie. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, we also do have the moment uh, where Anna's dad Tony is basically pleading with her to like leave the school go away with Nick uh, and not to argue with him over this request. Uh, so, you know, at this point, he really wants Anna to, you know, to go out, get out of the town. You know, I don't know if it's so much as, like, see the world person, because, like, you know, who knows what's left of it, uh, you know, at, at this point in time. um, But, you know, I, I do find it interesting that they really don't have, like, the, okay, well, like, where are we going next? Like, what is our plan? What is the escape plan? plan to get out of the town especially after the fact that it's like you know we already had the discussion about like all right well like how is this person going to fare in the uh you know zombie apocalypse are they going to survive or are they going to be a deadhead
0: well but i think that's the that's the mystery of the zombie apocalypse mm-hmm. right i mean you have a dad who was like i can't believe you're not going to uni and you're going to leave this town to Get the fuck out of this town at all costs and go with the dickhead because he'll probably keep you safe for at least for a while. You know, so it's the it's the always always choosing what is right for the moment right. um versus what is necessarily best for you long term. Um, but that's what people do. Mm-hmm. People do shit that's right for them in the moment all the time. Um But with her dad and that final number where they have with the dad where he's like holding his he's holding his phone and he's looking at a picture of, of her. And then the phone kind of slips from his hand and just falls on the stage and he's just like, I mean, they do everything to wrench your heart out of you. They really do to just pull it completely out and just show it to you. And it's like, here's your heart. (laughs) Are you glad you watch this? Um, And. But so much of it, the whole movie is so well done and the characters are so good. And. This ultimately feels. I mean. It's a musical. I mean, so let's just... Let's be honest with that. It's a musical. And if you don't like musicals, like if you're a diehard hater of musicals, you probably aren't going to like this movie. Um, but the thing that I think people could see as the distraction, and that's the musical part of it, is ultimately the glue that holds this whole movie together. And it's the glue that holds all of the characters together and all their stories together. Um and it makes it, I mean, I'm not going to call it a masterpiece, but damn, man, it is good. It is a good movie. And I'm just like you. This is at least a once-a-year watch for me. And like I said, I got it in my head today that I needed to have this on vinyl. So, um, And I got a free digital download with it, so I am going to be scooting across my house, vacuuming and dusting <laughs> while listening to the soundtrack to this movie and you know what i'm gonna be happy that there's no such thing as a hollywood ending
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was definitely one of those things today where it's like you know i've watched this movie several times i just did a sing along when i was watching this <laughs> this time oh, it's <laughs> that, <it laughs> becomes,
0: <like laughs> if you see it enough times it does become a sing-along and yep. there's nothing wrong with that i can sing along to rocky horror too and i don't mm-hmm. I'm, I'm completely okay with that you know yep. there's it it doesn't bother me and if you if you can look at something that takes a movie that has zombies, that has an apocalypse theme, that has Christmas in it, if if you're gonna tell me that something that makes that more fun is bad, well then I don't know what the hell's wrong with you. I honestly don't. <laughs>
1: Right, so absolutely, go check this one out if you guys haven't yet. It is available to stream on Shudder, and uh, you know, if you decide, you know, halfway through to uh, you know go buy the vinyl for the movie, uh, all power to you. You can do that, uh, and you know, join Grindhouse on that front. I will, but
0: yeah, I will, I will, I will post in our Discord. I will have Anne of the Apocalypse sing along nights. Okay? <laughs> Everyone's invited.
1: <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, So, again, uh, this, you know, since we are recording on Sunday, we will be back on the regular schedule uh, moving forward. We had a couple of episodes to make up. uh, So we will have another episode drop in on Wednesday, uh, which I'm excited for. I fucking I adore our next movie so much for so (laughs) many reasons. Uh, We have Santa Jaws coming up, which will will be recording on the 15th. Uh, So that would be our. Uh, last episode headed into Days of the Dead Chicago, which is coming up this next weekend, which, you know, we will both be out, which I'm super excited about. Can't wait for that. Uh, I got to remember to set your stuff aside uh, that you were mentioning prior. So I got to go through that when I'm uh, finishing inventory.
0: Oh, yes, absolutely. And I would love to be able to get into the show. So if we
1: can. <laughs> yeah, that too. Uh, so yeah, so basically the way that works is when I when I go to set up, that's when I pick up the uh, discounted weekend passes as a perfect
0: perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I think, like I said, I think I will be able to sneak in Friday night. That's my plan at this point. We are having a little bit of a kerfuffle with dog sitting here. Mm, So it is, it is entirely possible. It might just be me um, just because of, I've got a 15 year old dog that I, I'm not just going to leave with anybody because I'm just not going to. She's, She's done her time here. I'm going to give her the, the the justice and the dignity to not send her off with just anybody. Either way, I'm going to be in Chicago in less than a week's time, and it's going to be a ball.
1: Absolutely. So be sure to join us on Tuesday on Kick for Twisted Tuesday. We'll be watching Santa Jaws. Bob will probably complain <laughs> to me about it because I have uh, definitely shown it to him minimum two or three times already at this point in time. Uh, but it is one of... One of many beloved uh, sci-fi original movies, but this, like, to me, this is the one that has uh, really brought the most joy to me out of all of them, Uh, for uh, a myriad of reasons, which we'll get into, Uh, but a lot of fun ideas in that movie, and it is very Christmassy, and I know there are elements of the story that are probably going to make your eyes roll, but at the same time, it's also going to make you laugh at how ridiculous it is. So I'm I'm completely here for it <laughs> to talk about it, and I can't wait for you to see it.
0: Oh, that's all I like. I said I haven't seen it, and uh, you know, it, if I can if I can watch a horror movie and enjoy it and get a good eye roll in, oh, dude, Ooh. I'm there. <laughs> I'm all kinds of there.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. So with that being said, guys, that will do it for us here tonight on Handle a Wish Scare. Uh, again, we'll be back on Wednesday night for Santa Jaws. Uh, so that should be a good one, and. uh... Obviously, on the following episode, we'll talk talk a little bit about Days of the Dead Chicago, uh, since, you know, that will have happened at that point in time. Um, Absolutely. But Absolutely. until then, hopefully we'll see you on Tuesday for Twisted Tuesday. And if not, we will catch you for our next recording. You guys have a good night.